Hallelujah, hallelujah. He deserves it, Lord. Hallelujah. Not a rock will cry out in my place. In Jesus' name, Lord God, you deserve the praise, Lord. You find me, Lord God, wherever I am, Lord. No matter what situation I'm in, God, you can find me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Have your way right now.
right now we will praise him today and it is a choice i choose to praise my holy and precious savior when paul and silas were inside of their jail cells it was a choice that they said i'm not just going to wait here for these chains to fall off but i'm going to start worshiping and because of the worship it says where two or three are gathered where two or three are gathered there he is inside the midst of them I wonder if we could get together with just a couple people this morning and worship our precious and mighty Savior because where two or three are gathered, we have more than just two or three inside this place right here. So I am coming with expectation right now that God will move inside this service, that God will move inside of my mind, that God will move inside of our situations. Shake these shackles off me today, Jesus, and I will worship you in advance for that victory in Jesus' name. Just can't. 
Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I only have one gripe with that song. It says you got to praise him after your shackles are gone. Take your shackles off so you can praise him. But you don't need your shackles to be off to praise him. In fact, the shackles came off because of their praise. <laughs> if some of you are feeling shackled this morning, I said if some of you are feeling shackled this morning, it's amazing what a little praise will do. I said it's amazing what a little praise will do. Oh, yes, God. I'm going to praise you anyway, God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. You just lift up a shout of praise right now. God will change the atmosphere around you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Come on. Let's put a little praise in it right now. Come on. you anyway, God. Oh, I don't see a change in my circumstances. I'm going to praise you anyway. Because who knows if midnight's coming and those chains are going to fall off. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place this morning in a strong way. God wants to move. I said, God wants to move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible asks the question, who will let him? to move, we have to let him move. We can hinder him with our, well, I'm not going to go there. We're going to go, Lord, in prayer, bring our knees before the throne of God, continue to pray for our pastors, God, we keep him protected, keep his hand upon him, amen. And I tell you what, it's good to see Brother and Sister Mitchell in church this morning. We've been praying for you folks. I believe God's going to answer prayers. Amen. Continue to pray for Sister April LeBlanc and those that need a touch in their body this morning. If you have a need, do you make it known by the lifting of your hand? God sees the hands that are raised in this place this morning. Knows every one of them. If you'd like to be prayed for or prayed with, this altar is open. If you'd like to come forward and have somebody pray for you. Let's go to him in prayer together, shall we? God, we love you. We thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. God, you're here in a mighty way, God. You're here to meet needs, God. You're here to move in situations, God. I know you are. 
Lord, we lift up our pastors before you right now, God. I pray that you would keep and protect them, God. Keep them safe, oh God. Keep your hand upon them, I pray. God, we pray for Sister LeBlanc, God. I pray that you continue the healing, healing in her body, God. Be with her right now. Be her strength and her encouragement, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's able. Your mind. He can make you whole. He can make you whole. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we rejoice unto the Lord this morning? I don't know about you. I don't know what you came to do, but I am thankful to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday. Praise God. Praise God. Is anybody thankful that God has brought them out? remember as a young man being involved in things I probably didn't have any business being involved in, but you know, the Lord stepped in and he took care of me. He took care of me. I can't lay hands or can't reach out to the folks I used to run with or either in jail or, or gone, but you know what? The Lord had his hands upon me. And I wonder if there's some folks out here tonight that can honestly reflect back and say, if it had not been for the Lord... On my side, where would I be? Praise the Lord. Those are the things I think about when I have an opportunity to give back to the Lord with a demonstration of worship unto him. And I encourage us not to let this moment, let, not to let this Sunday morning pass without some demonstration of how God has been in our own lives. Amen? Can we just thank the Lord one more time and honor him? Can we just honor him for his goodness? I know it's a Sunday morning and we may be a little tired, but can we just honor him for being good? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we high-five all of our neighbors, our, our new guests, our friendships, all of our uh, guests in the house. We honor you this morning. Let them know I'm so glad to see you this morning here in the house of the Lord. We bring you greetings on behalf of our pastors Rick and Alexa Olson. Don't we love Brother and Sister Olson around here? Amen, amen. Continue to keep them in, in prayer, but I'm so glad that all of our, our guests are here. We would like to spend some time with you uh, after service, so please don't be in a rush uh, to leave. We would like to, uh, to get to know you just a little bit better. Praise the Lord. All my, my Spanish brothers and sisters, el adabo, el señor, mis amigos, God bless you. So glad that you were here this morning. I do have a few announcements to make. Uh, we won't be having a, a PM service. Uh, we do our fifth, sur fifth Sundays um, around here, so we won't be having a PM service uh, tonight. Uh, so in short, you need to get all you can this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How about all the ladies just getting back from ladies' conference? Praise the Lord. I know they had a great time, and all of us guys, we did survive with Burger King and cookouts. So we are so glad all the ladies had a great time and are back uh, in town. want to make mention also there is a ladies' uh, tea. I believe there is a sign-up table uh, there in the vestibule. People have signed up for that. Um, and coming up here in about two weeks, we're celebrating uh, all of our mothers. Yeah, for Mother's Day. So keep that in mind with your invitations and inviting folks in. And also, we always honor our first lady, Sister Olson, on Mother's Day. So also keep that in mind as we honor her on uh, Mother's Day, which I believe is in about two weeks from uh, today. We'll also make mention to Tuesday night we'll be having uh, focused prayer uh, here in this building at 7 o'clock with the emphasis on our young marrieds. 
Um, and that age dynamic falls uh, between uh, married and the age of 35 or 36, actually. So what that means is if you're married and one of you is at least 36, you are part of that young married group. Um, however, if you're a married couple, uh, young or old, and you want to come in and have prayer with your spouse, I encourage you to be here um, at 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. I don't know about you, but I need some prayer in my relationship. Not because of my wife, but because I need help. Easy. Do not get me in trouble. If anybody knows my wife, she is a precious angel. If there's any trouble, it's always me. And I see my mother-in-law shaking her head. She is absolutely right. So come on out on Tuesday night. And as we close out the week, we were having revival with our brother Braden Anderson. That'll be starting up on Wednesday uh, night. It'll be Wednesday, uh, Friday, and Sunday. Uh, so I encourage you to invite friends and neighbors out. We always have a great time of revival. And let's pray that the Lord touches our community. Praise God. So that'll be Brother Anderson, the third, fifth, and the seventh. That's all the announcements that I have this morning. If we will go ahead and have our ushers begin to make their way. I want to also make mention to our Save Our Children offering. Today is that last, uh, last day to give towards uh, Save Our Children. As of this morning, we're at $4,280 towards that offering. So if you have not... Uh, done so, you can either do that in the offering, a white envelope, or go via uh, Secure Give um, to give towards that. But today will be our last day to give towards uh, that offering. I want to also make mention um, our junior Bible quizzers. As I mentioned last uh, Wednesday, our Florida district has been awarded the district of the year for our junior Bible quizzers. It's a neat, neat deal in this uh, this age dynamic, 8 and to 11-year-old uh, students. 7,649 of these 8 and 12 and or 10, 11 year olds have received the gift of the Holy Ghost this year. 7,649. So we know the Lord is moving in our young people and your Save Our Children offering your donations toward that. Uh, go towards that. Thank you so much on behalf of our pastors for, for giving to that offering. God will absolutely bless you for your giving. Amen. In the book of Philippians 4.18, we see Paul writing to the Philippian church. He says, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul is writing to the Philippian church regarding their offering toward the works of the gospel. He calls it an odor, a sweet smell. In fact, a, a sacrifice that is acceptable and well-pleasing to God. So this is our opportunity to give back to the Lord for his goodness to us. This is our opportunity to give back to him for blessing us, and not just monetarily, but in our health and our strength and our well-being. So I encourage you this morning, let's go before the Lord in prayer and honor him this morning as we give unto the Lord, shall we? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. You've blessed our homes, our health, and our family. You've given us strength, and you've renewed our peace of mind. 
your generosity is so overwhelming and it overflows to us and we know that everything that we have is a precious gift from you. Today as we bring our tithes, our offerings to you, Lord, to, to give back to you from the abundance of blessings you've given to us, multiply what we give for the effective work and growth of your kingdom and may we be filled with joy and gladness for the work we are doing in our lives. Let our giving be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In your precious holy name we pray, in Jesus' name. Can we honor the Lord one more time with our praise, in Jesus' name. God bless. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to come before you, Lord. Have your way in this place, God. Thank you, Jesus. I won't be discouraged, even when I'm discouraged. Shaking, having done all 
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. Oh, there's nothing like being in your presence. Oh, there is nothing like being in your presence. Oh, your presence is so sweet. So gentle. There's nothing like it, God. There's nothing that can compare to being in your presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. I tell you, it's nothing like it. You can, you can search the world all over. A thousand times, you'll never find nothing as sweet. Oh, as elegant as the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I tell you, man, if, you, if, you, if you're not serving the Lord, man, being in this presence, wanna, oh, man, you're missing out. <laughs> if God is not the Lord of your life, you're missing out. It's nothing like it. It's nothing like it. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to give honor unto our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who we are and what we are is because of him. So I want to honor him. And also I want to honor 
our pastors, brother and sister Rosen. I'm so thankful for our pastors. I appreciate them. I know you do too. I thank God for their wisdom, for their, for their vision for this church, for their knowledge, for their love for people, and their love for the kingdom of God. Oh, I appreciate and love our pastors. And I also want to honor all the ministry here at the Church of Pentecost. I thank you for all that you do, all the hours that you put in, all the, the time that you take to do the work of God and teaching, Sunday school, singing in the choir, the chorale, uh, ushering, all the things that you do, clean up, maintenance, all that's is so important. And for all of our guests, as, as Brother Tim said, we're so honored and privileged to have you to come and be here with us today. We're, we're, we're glad that you're here. We want so honored that you're here, and we pray that as service ends, that you don't walk out as Brother Tim said, give us a, an opportunity to, to meet you and greet you and talk with you. You know, I know some sometime I know <clears throat> we live in a fast-paced life where everything moves fast. But let's take some time, this time to out the to, to meet one another. Amen. <clears throat> if you got your Bibles, why don't you turn to me in the book of Acts, chapter 27? We're gonna look at Acts chapter 27. I'm gonna read verse 10 through 11. Then I'm going to skip down to verses 13 to 15, and then I'm going to jump to 29, 31. I know it's quite a few scriptures to read, and I thank you for standing. Acts chapter 27, beginning with verse 10, saying, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman, the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Then skipping down to verse 13 in the same chapter, chapter 27. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desired putting out to sea, they sailed close by creek. But not long after, a, a temperate headwind arose called Eurothodon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Then verse 29 says, dropping down to verse 29, Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship. And when they had let down the, the kiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So for a few moments this morning with the help of the Lord, I want to teach or preach however the Lord leads me this morning on this subject. We must abide in the ship. We must abide in the ship. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I stand before you this morning, Father. Lord, I realize that without you, I can do nothing of myself. I need your anointing. I need your spirit. I need you to preach me. I need you to teach me, Lord. And God, I pray this morning that your word will go forth and somebody will hear your word. And God, somebody will receive what is said. God, I thank you this morning for your grace and mercy in our lives, Lord. I thank you for this great church and our pastors. Lord, bless the people of God today. Bless us and keep us as we 
pray, and we ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We must abide in the ship. Paul said to the, this is what Paul said to the centurions and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. The ship is one of the ancient Christian symbols that represents the church. The sea itself symbolizes the world. So the ship, which is the church, is set a sail amidst the sea being guided by God, which is the captain, which guides us through unbelief and guides us through worldliness and guides us through persecution so that we can reach its final destination, which is heaven. In Acts chapter 27, verse 10, in our text, Paul being led by the Holy Ghost, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. Not only of the cargo but, and ship, but also of our lives. And he says in verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than the thing that was spoken by Paul. And then we're skipping down to our text in verse 27, Verses 13 to 15 says, Then the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out the sea. They sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous head wind arose called Eurotodon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, they said, we just let her drive. So what happened is they ran into a storm. What is a storm? A storm is a violent disturbance of the atmosphere with strong winds and unusual rains containing lightning and thunder. And spiritually, a storm represents a season of obstacles spiritually, difficulties and setbacks and poverty and struggles in our lives and trials that we go through represent a storm. When we talk about a storm, Living here in the state of Florida, we are very familiar with storms, especially during the summer months. In the afternoon, in the summertime, in the afternoon, there will be some type of thunderstorm nearly every day. Storms can be very unpredictable. Sometimes you never know when a storm is going to come. And when a storm does come, sometimes you do not know what type of storm that is going to come. There are some storms that come and go quickly. And then there are some that come and they linger for a while. They linger for a while and, and those are the ones that can be very severe and can do a lot of damage, including flooding. And most of the time when a storm comes, it would come either with lightning, rain, hail, or a combination of them all. And then there are very violent storms like tornadoes and hurricanes, which can cause very severe damage. One of the things that most storms experts would tell you, that when you see a storm coming or know that a storm is coming, is that you should always find you a safe place, a place of refuge, a place of protection. It's very important to know that where, where to go and, and where that safe place is located when a storm comes. In our own personal life, 
It's important to know that we have a safe place to go when storms come into our life. You will never go through life without a storm. I don't care how long you live. Keep living. And I guarantee you that you will go through some type of storm. Most ships that are built today is built to withstand high winds and rough seas. Just like a ship, the church is also built to withstand high winds and rough storms. The church has a start, solid foundation. Why? Because it was built by the Lord himself. You see, Jesus laid the foundation and the apostles built upon it. You see, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Here's the foundation of storm, stone that means that all other storms will be set in reference to his storm, his stone, when determining the position of the entire structure. Let the church say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 8 says, and I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, that you are Peter. And on this rock, upon, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, no one is exempted from a storm. You may not be in a storm right now, but at some point in your life, if you keep living, you will encounter a storm. And when storms come, you're going to need a safe place. You're going to need a place where you can be protected when the storm comes. You see, the church, whether you know it or not, is a safe place when the storm comes. The church is your protection when the storm comes. You see, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 4, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 5 through 6, the Lord says this about the church. And the Lord will create upon every drowning place a building, in other words, of Mount Zion, which is represented the church. And upon her assemblies, in other words, the people that meet there, that gather there to worship, God is going to create a cloud. He's going to create a smoke by day. And a shining of flaming fire by night, for all for, upon all the glory shall be in our defense. In other words, protection. You see, and then verse 6 says, and there shall be a tabernacle covering, a tabernacle covering for a shadow in the daytime from the heat, and for a place of refuge, and for a convert, that means a safe place. From what? From the storm. And from the rain, you see, the church is a safe place from the storm that may go that you'll go through in your life. The church is a safe place, and that's why it's important to be in the church. That's why it's important to abide in the church because the church is a safe place. You see, it's looking at Isaiah chapter four. Verse 5 through 6, and the Lord will create upon every dwelling place, building upon every building. The Lord will create upon every building of Mount Zion, upon the church, and upon her assembly. That means that those of us that gather there, God is going to, the people that gather there, the Lord will create a cloud of smoke by day. And the shining of flaming fire by night, upon all the glory, 
shall be a defense. That means a protection. And then he said, that should be a tabernacle, which is a covering for a shadow in the daytime from the heat. And a place of refuge, a safe place from the storms and from the rain. I'm here to tell you this morning, the church is a safe place. You see, some people may feel that they do not need the church. But that is not what the Bible says. You need the church. The church is a place of refuge. It's a place to, to, help, to help for God to help protect you from the storms, the storms and the rain of life. It's a safe place. It's important that you stay in church. It's important that you do not abandon the church because the church is a safe place to protect you from the storms and from the rains of life. I said a few minutes ago, you may not be in a storm now, but you keep living. You're going you're gonna to have a storm in your life, and you're going to be looking for a safe place, a place that you can go for protection. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the church of the living God is a safe place. Hallelujah. Genesis, most of us are familiar with the story of Noah. In reading Genesis chapter 7, verses 19 through 23. Genesis 7, 19, 23. And the Bible says, And the waters prevail exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of the fowls and of the cattle and of the beasts, and of every creeping thing that creeped upon the earth. And every man, in verse 22 says, all in whose nostril was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. Every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things and the fowls of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. You see, the ark is a type of the church. Yeah. See, Noah, the only people that remained when the storm and the flood came was those that were in the ark. You see, when God shut the door, only those that were inside the ark were saved. Yeah. When God shut the door, only those that were in the ark that were saved. You see, when the rain came and the flood came, Noah and his families were safe. Why? Because they were in the ark. You see, the ark was a safe place for Noah and his family. It was an instrument that God used to save Noah and his family from the rain and the floods of destruction. You see, all of those that were outside the ark were swept away with the flood waters from the storm. But those that were in the ark were kept safe, warm, and dry from the storm. Don't tell me the church is a safe place. The church is a safe place. There, there may be someone who, here today who you're just here just to drop by 
every now and then. You're here, you haven't made, yet made up your mind that you want to be a part of the church. You probably haven't even made up your mind that you want to stay in the church. But I want to encourage you this morning. If you haven't made up your mind, I want to encourage you that you need to abide in the ship. That you need to be in the church because the church is a safe place. I don't care how good things look for you on the outside. I don't care how things may, how rough things may look on the inside. But you got to stay in the ship in order to be saved. In the parable of the soil, the Bible talks about the seed that fell upon stony places. Matthew chapter 13, verse 5 through 6 says, Some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprung up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scotched. And because they had no root, they withered away. See, a stony place is a thin layer of soil over rocks. A thin level of soil over rocks. And the seed doesn't have any depth. It doesn't have any depth to, where, to the earth to where it can grow and produce. You see, the seed does not have deepness, in other words, of the earth. So they have no root. So when the sun comes up, in other words, when they get offended, when a fist come up, when persecution come up, when hard times come up, when responsibilities and commitment come up, they wither away because they have no depth. They have no root. So they, they decide that, you know what, it's better for me to, to leave the church. It's better for me to, to, to walk out. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you need to stay in the church. You need to stay in the church. Yes, affliction is going to come. Yes, persecution is going to come. Yes, trial is going to come. Yes, you're going to become offended. But that's no reason for you to leave the church. Because you become offended. Because you have some difficulties in your life. Because you have some hard times in your life. There's no reason for you to leave the church. You see, there's a cost that comes with being a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a cost that comes to being a disciple. But a lot of people don't want to pay the cost. They're not willing to pay the cost of being a disciple. They're not willing to do what it takes to be a disciple. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 25, he says unto them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What profit? You see, it's not a hardship, but it's a privilege to be in the house of God. It's a privilege to be in the house of God. It's not a hardship to be in the house of God. King David saw it as a privilege to be in the house of God. He said in Psalms 122 and 1, he said, I was glad. You see, David didn't look at it as a hardship. He didn't say, oh, man, here it goes Sunday morning again. 
Oh, man, he'll win tonight again. Man, we have, oh, man, oh, we got a revival coming. Oh, man, that means we're going to be three, three nights in a row. Oh, man. But David didn't look at it as a hardship. David looked at it as a privilege. You shouldn't look at it as a hardship. I shouldn't look at it as a hardship. I should look at it as a privilege to be in the house of God. So David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You see, it's not a hardship. Think about it. We live in a society today, we can, you know, we all have automobiles. God has blessed us with nice cars. We can jump into our car. And we can be the church, depending on where we live, anywhere between 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, 40 minutes. But think about it. Overseas, there are people who walk for miles, don't have a car. It may take them a half a day. They probably leave Saturday night or Saturday afternoon to walk for miles to get to the house of God. But God has blessed us. We have fine cars and fine automobiles. But sometimes we find it hard to come to church. But King David always looked forward to going to the house of God. He loved being in the presence of God. David understood that there is no one like the Lord. There's no one who is comparable to his goodness. There's no one that's compared to his mercy. There's no one compared to his love. There's no one compared to his righteousness. You see, there's a joy in being in the presence of the Lord. Just think we were feeling here not too long ago, feeling the presence of the God, Lord, the joy that you get from being in the presence of the Lord. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 16, 11 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand is pledges forevermore. Then there's nothing like being in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. And so that's why it's so important, amen, that we make it an effort to always, when the opportunity avail itself, to be in the house of God. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 and three says this, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains. Talking about the church. <clears throat> and it shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. To the house, to the house of the God of Jacob. He would teach us his ways. You see, how do you learn, learn how to live for God? By coming to church. <laughs> yeah, that's how you learn how to live for God, by coming to church and hearing pastor preach and pastor teach and hearing evangelists preach, teaching us what we need to know about how to live for God and how to live a godly life. So he would teach us his ways and we will walk in his path. See, teach us how we walk. Teach us how we should live. 
You see, we don't know, mankind really don't know how to live. But the Bible, the Word of God, is what teaches us how we should live our life. You see, I wouldn't even know how, to, in other words, to love my brother, but the Bible said we should love our fellow man. You see, so the, the church is where you come and, 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 and learn the ways of God and learn how to walk for God and learn how to live for God. You see, you learn that in the church. So the, the house of God, Jacob, he would teach us his ways and we should walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. You see, the law. And the word of the Lord comes from Jerusalem. He teaches us how we should walk and how we should live. You see, the church is a place where we get instruction and teaching about the things of God. It is a place where instruction in righteousness is given in how we ought to walk and how we ought to live. You see, the church is a safe place. See, we need the church. Amen. You never outgrow the church. Matthew chapter 4, four verse 16 says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. People that sat in darkness. We were all in darkness. But somewhere along the line, God touched us and we saw the light. And upon those who sat in the region, the shadow of death, light has done it. You see, light illuminates. It makes everything around us brighter. Light overtakes darkness. And when light comes in, darkness has to go. That's why the enemy fights us, fights us so hard against the church. Because you want to keep us in darkness. That's why he fights against you. Fights against me. Because he want to keep us in darkness. But light illuminates. You see, the church is a beacon of light in a dark world. If you want to see, really see, you think the world is dark, you take the church out of it. Take the church out of it. It's going to be dark. So the church is a light. A beacon of light in a dark world. God through his church can do things in the lives and heart of men and women that no government with all of its laws and regulations can ever do. See, God changes life. God can heal you. God can deliver you. God can set you free. So God can do things that no man can do. God can do things that no government can do. The church was designed so that men and women could give glory unto the Lord. God designed the church so that we, we could give glory to, the, to God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21 says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all things that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Look at verse 21. It's, to him be glory in the church. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. You see, God designed the church for the church to give glory to God. What were we doing? We come in here, we begin to praise and worship God together. What we're doing, we're giving glory to God. You see, God designed that for the church to give glory unto God. So the church was designed to give glory unto the Lord. Another thing that makes the church special <clears throat> is that the church was purchased with the, 
with the blood of God himself. That's what makes this church so special was precious with the blood of God himself. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flocks, flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his blood. Amen. We blood bought. The church is blood bought. Jesus purchased the church with his blood. So that means he is the owner of the church. I understand that when we talk about the church, we're not just talking about a building. Not just a building. We understand the church is not a building, but a church consists of believers who are united and come together as one body in Christ. The word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which means assemble, assembly. It's a place where the saints of God come together to honor and worship the Lord and to hear a word from God. So the church is just not a building, but it's a body of believers. That God set the body in order. God sets the body in order. You're here today. You're a member of this church because God set you, he placed you here. I know sometimes you may say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to this church. I'm going to make it up. I'm, I'm going to go to this church, and I'm going to become a member of that church or that church. But God is the one that sets you in the body as he sees fit, as, he, as it pleases him. <clears throat> Verse Corinthians 12, 18 says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases. Not only that, God tempers the body together. He arranged all the different parts of the body. Doesn't matter what part of the body you are, be satisfied with it because that's what God decided to make you that part. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24 says, but our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body. God composed the body having given a greater honor to that part which likes it. So God has designed the body, the church, and each part has a place. Each one of us are dependent upon the other. Yeah, we need each other. We're dependent upon each other. That's how God designed it. That's how God made the church. You see, I want to, you cannot, if, if part of the body, for example, if, if my little thumb was to be, Say, uh, disattached from my, my hand, my, my little finger eventually going to die if it doesn't get reattached back to my hand within a certain time period. So if you're part of the body and you think that you can survive spiritually being disattached from the body, not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Now, some people think they can survive without the church, but you cannot make it apart from the body. Because the church is a life, is a living organ ordained by God. You need the church. 
You need to stay in the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says, Not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, you don't go to church to be saved. You go to church because you're saved. Okay? If you're saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, blood bought, Jesus' name baptized, full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to always want to be in church. You're not going to be forsaking the assembling of yourself together. Without, you know, you're not going to forsake the assembling of yourself together. For some people do. They don't want to come to church. They'll find some other activity so that they will not be on church on Sunday. Salvation is not your call, it's God's call. Some people say, well, you know, I'll come to God on my own terms. No. No, you, you can't come to God on your own terms because the Bible says unless... God, the Spirit of God draws you, you're not going to come. So don't think that you can come to God anytime you want to because that's God's call. Because if the Spirit of God stops drawing you, you don't feel no conviction about how you live your life. You don't feel any conviction about the things that you do. Somebody that does, that, that live that way without any conviction, all I can say is God have mercy. But salvation is not your call, it's God's call. No one can come to me, Jesus says, no one can, in in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one, Jesus said, can come to me except the Spirit of God calls him. So you know what, man, if God is pulling on you on Sunday morning to come to church, that God is putting on you your heart to come to church, man, you need to rejoice in that because God is drawing you because he loves you. But it's his turn because he loves you. The psalmist, the church is a special place of blessings. The church is a special place of blessings. Psalms 84 and 4 says, says blessed are those who dwell Blessed are those who dwell, in other words, those who remain in in your house. They should be praising you. So just coming to the church is a blessing. It's a blessing to remain in the house of God. And then the psalmist goes on to say in Psalms 84 and 10, the psalmist says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He said, man, I'd rather just be a, a, a man, just a door, just, just, I just man, I just managed the door. I'd rather be a doorkeeper than, than to be in the house of wickedness. Because he understood that it was a blessing, the church was a place of blessing. So he, he said, whatever I can do, whatever I have to do 
just to be in the house of God, that I'll do it. He wasn't trying to get out of work. He wasn't trying to get out of not doing anything. He said, whatever it is, I'll do whatever it is. I just want to be in the house of God. It doesn't matter what I do. I just want to be in the house of God. He wasn't running from commitment. He wasn't running from responsibility. He understood that it was a joy. It was a pleasure. It was a privilege to be in the house of God. He understood it was a privilege and an honor just to work inside the house of God. When you're working and you're involved and you're committed, it's a privilege that God allows you to be able to work in his house. You see, in the Old Testament, only the high priest was only able to go into the holiness. Only the priests was able to work in, around and in the tabernacle. In the Old Testament, everybody couldn't work and do tabernacle functions. But today, the veil has been torn apart, has been ripped apart. All of us, you, I, myself, every one of us have opportunities to work in the tabernacle, to work in the house of God. Don't, don't, don't divorce yourself of that privilege. Don't divorce yourself of that privilege. Work in the house of God. Be all priests. Only in the Old Testament under the law, it was only given to Aaron and his sons. They was the only priests could do any work. But we all priests. So it's an honor and it's a privilege to work and do a work in the house of God. Psalm 27, 4 and 6 says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. He said, just one thing. I mean, he could ask for any other. He could ask for many things. He said, but there's one thing I have desired of the Lord. He said, that will I seek. He said, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. He said, I just seek that one thing. I don't want anything. I just seek to just dwell in the house of God. All the days of my life. You see, they had the, the sermons had a, a love for the house of God. We got to generate a love. If you ain't got a love for the house of God, won't you generate a love for the house of God? You got to love the church like Jesus loved the church. Jesus loved the church. He set the example. He loved the church because he died for the church. And we got to get a love for the church. Get a love for the church. If you don't have a love for God's house, get a love for God's house. Person that does not love, that does that do not have a love for the church, they're not going to make the church their main priority. If you don't have a love for the church, church isn't going to be your main priority. There could be something going on at the church. If it's not your main priority, you ain't going to come. Teach me, Lord. But we got to learn to make the church a priority because if a person does not have love for the church, they're not going to make the church their main priority. But when you got a love for the church, 
you build your schedule around the church. The church don't build a schedule around you. You build your schedule around the church. If you love the church. Because you got to stay, in order to be saved, you got to stay in the church. And if you leave the church, there's no guarantee that you're going to be saved. Because the church is a safe place. Don't you stand with me as I get ready to close. Isaiah 43 and 2 says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee burn you. God is with you no matter what you go through in life. God is with you. He's with you through the flood waters. He's with you through the rivers. When they overflow, he's with you through the fire. He's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I want to say as I close that no matter how tough things may get in your life, don't quit the church. Don't give up the church. Don't say, well, I'm going to stop going to church because I'm having a hard time. No. You need to be in the church when you have it. You need to be in the church. Because you're going through something in your life, storms, the church is a safe place. It protects you from the storms, from the rain. Stay in the ship. Stay in the ship. Because the Bible says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. How do we serve God? We serve God through the church. Luke 2, 46 says, Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, talking about Jesus, sitting amidst the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Jesus was just 12 years old, but he was in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and asking questions. Luke 24, 53 says, And they were continuing in the temple, praising and blessing God, talking about the disciples. You see, you serve God through his church. In Acts 2, 46 through 47 says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were saved. See, they serve God through the church. So stay in the ship. Stay in the church. It's a privilege. And it's an honor to be part of God's church. To be a part of God's kingdom that he chose you to be in the church, part of the church. I'm going to open up this altar, and I want to encourage you to come, and I want to encourage you to pray. We're going to pray and close out. 
stay in the church. That's a safe place. It's a safe place. Let's pray together. We come to this office now. But Lord God, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you have allowed us to be able to come into your house and be, be able to be a part of your church, a part of the body that you built, that you created. God, I pray that you would just bless your church, a special anointing and a special blessing upon the church of the living God. I thank you for your church and for the church of the living God and for this church, particularly the church of Pentecost and every member that's a part of this body. Help us to understand the value that we have by being in the church. Help us to understand that being, it's a blessing to be in your house. It's a privilege to serve you and to honor you and to live our life for you, God. God, there may be somebody right now that are trying to be, that are, that are having a pull, that's trying to fill a pull on their life to walk away and not come back to church because maybe they feel they're going through something. Maybe they're going through an affliction or maybe they're going through a trial or maybe they have been, become offended by someone or somebody. But I pray, God, that they will not walk out, that they will stay in, this, in the church because this is a safe place from the storms and the pains of life. Now, God, I thank you for what you're going to do and what you are doing in the lives of your people. Thank you, God, for the church. I ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.